Fair use. A uh, poll taken by Newsweek magazine, I think you said that this was the leaders who said that, uh, who went with King and against Mr. Muhammad around 90%. I just told you a little while ago, these leaders that they call leaders, this included Lena Horn, this included Dick Gregory, and this included comedians, comics, trumpet players, baseball players. Show me in the white community where a comedian is a white leader. Show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader, or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that uh, have been set up over the white community and or over the black community by the white community and have been made celebrities and usually say exactly what uh, they know that the white man wants to hear. And it is an honor, actually, that they endorsed Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, uh, were against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's actually an honor. Now, when you say that they also, in this same Newsweek poll magazine, they, I think the pollster said that he went into the Negro community and asked about the Muslims. And many Negroes whom he asked said, well, I never heard of the Muslims. Who are they? You know, this, this is the rank and file we're talking about. Oh, yeah. About. Now, yeah. when they got down to the rank and file, this was the answers that they got. Uh, this is equivalent to uh, the situation in Kenya during the Mau Mau uprising when many uh, frightened uh, whites in Kenya, Africa, would go among the Africans and ask them, what about the Mau Mau? And the African would say, I never heard of them. And the same white man who would ask the African this question and very naively believe what the African said, when he went to bed that night, he would lose his head. And usually the one who took his head was the same African who told him that afternoon he had never heard of the Mau Mau. <laughs> Except uh, in the Newsweek poll, they used Negro interviewers. You'll find that oftentimes Negroes are as much on guard uh, around Negro interviewers, who usually represent the bourgeois uh, element of Negroes, as they are on guard around whites. Uh, usually Negroes know that when this bourgeois Negro walks through the door, he is not doing something that he's initiated himself, but he's involved in something in which the white man is the absolute author of and has sent him to the Negro community for some information. And when they give that Negro some information, usually they give him the information that they want, the white, want him to take back to the white man, because that's who he's going to take it back to. Uh, our time is just about up, Minister Malcolm, and uh, perhaps you could summarize and conclude by giving us, in your opinion, or in the opinion of Mr. Elijah Muhammad, what would be the ideal solution to the racial problem in the United States today? Well, on Thursday, October the 3rd, the New York Tribune, in an editorial, pointed out in Boston, an article called The Civil Rights Iceberg, they pointed out how Kennedy had realized that beneath the water, the civil rights uh, whole problem uh, was political suicide. Because in his own hometown, the head of the Board of Education, a woman named Mrs. Uh, Hicks was running against the NAACP philosophy, and she swept aside all other opposition. The whole white community supported her in opposition to the NAACP's desire for integrated schools, integrated housing, and otherwise. So I say that to say this, that even the Jewish community, which is supposed to be pro-liberal, went against the NAACP. Whites are against integration in practice, but they're for it in principle. So the only solution is separation. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that this can be brought about simply by letting our people be exposed to the truth 
about ourselves, about the white man, about our history and our condition in this country. And once we are exposed to the complete things about things as they really exist in this country, masses of black people will choose complete separation from this entire system, political system, economic system, social system, and whatever other aspect or description you, or, 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 uh, adjective you want to attach to it. Let us go back home to our own people, live among our own kind, and solve our own problems ourselves. And if the white man doesn't want us to go back to our own people and live in our own country, then since we can't get along together in peace on this country with white people, let us separate part of this continent, migrate to that separate territory, let the government give us everything we need to establish our own independent economic system and society, and thereby we'll be able to solve our own problems. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. That just isn't, okay? It's not going to happen, okay? Because they value too much of that dollar. That's what's going to happen. But it is a, uh, I think I play a little bit too much, but um, you get the idea. I mean, people want to prop up, you know, Kanye, but. I don't know. Can, can you can you really get down with this? That's what I want to. That's what I want to know. Imagine having a leader like this. Let me show you. Hitler, you're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that. A demonized. Well, I I see I I see good things about Hitler. Also, the Jew. I love. What good things about Hitler? See, this is the thing. This is what Black Malcolm X is right. You know, you don't see other communities having, you know, entertainers be their leaders. But Blacks want Kanye to run for even president. And they want Kanye to be president. They want him to make decisions. They want him to make decisions on foreign policy. They want him to have the nuclear launch codes. Listen, this, this is what they want. Not all black people, you know, but the ones that are, I guess you could say, the ones that are liberal, the ones that are for Kanye, which is many of them, they want him to be the face of black America. This is crazy. But let's hear more about Kanye, okay? He says good things, good things about Hitler, and blacks are for him. I can't be for somebody who will try to kill me okay because of my skin all right well they didn't how many they didn't how many blacks listen when hitler came into power a lot of blacks could not go to germany anymore there was segregation all right if you were mixed with black blood they treated you worse look up the reinhardt bastards I don't get how people just want to just gloss over that. Black people want to gloss over that. But let's continue what Kanye got to say. Everyone and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love of, of um, you know, us and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts. You know what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. 
I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Do I round up Jews in Nazi Germany? Do I get love then? Schwarzenegger said he loved Hitler. They gave him an award. I I'm just saying, I don't like Nazis and I don't like what some of the mafias are doing either. I like Hitler. The, the <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> this, this is who they want you to um this is who they they want blacks to rally around all right okay a man like this who had who's losing money almost every day Okay, people are asking him, what, Adidas, who else, Apple, all right, he lost his basketball team, he's losing contracts, how he makes his money, he has child support to pay, all right, he still has to pay security guards, he still, he has bills outside of the child support to pay, and this is what he's doing, and you want to have this man as your leader. All right, let's keep going. I've said it, the most Nazi-like activities I've seen, um, and, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shut people down did a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Okay. We're, we're going to get... Well... <laughs> What what stuff did they do good, Kanye? All right. What stuff did I mean, okay. Let's look at the fact that you had Jews that were in the Third Reich and they did that to keep from going to concentration camps. All right? And they fed their poor the, the, the poor Jewish people during World War II. Is that the good you're talking about, Kanye? Kanye, that's just people looking out for each other. That's it. All right? They did a lot of horrible things, Kanye. They killed people, Kanye. They took people out of their homes, shot their family members right in front of them, sent them to gas chambers. Oh, man. Get to that. Hold on one minute. Let me get to another one. This guy is just, man. I wonder if Alex Jones was sweating in the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> like, will I still have a show? I wonder if you ever thought about that. Will I still have a show after this? Do I have to deal with another lawsuit? That's what I want to know. That, that, that did, did that go through his mind? All right. All right. Here's another one. Hold up. And wind that back. Hold on. Okay, here we are. 
you know, it's like he had a really cool outfit and stuff, and he was a really good architect. And uh, and so you're in love with the with the with the with the with the architect the, the the look of it. And he didn't kill six million Jews. That's just like factually incorrect. Yeah, let's get the Ronald Reagan clip they showed me yesterday. Sorry, go ahead. Ronald Reagan said that too. Well, I think Hitler did target and kill some people. The fact that <clears throat> I wonder how Kanye would feel if they said, you know, they didn't really kill that many blacks in a row. If someone said they didn't really kill that many blacks in Rosewood. Okay. They didn't really hang that many blacks on trees. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, one of people said that about the Klan. Okay. Or someone who's a white nationalist said, you know, this is my Southern pride. You know, you're messing with that, man. And slaves were given as Christmas presents. You got to really get over it, Kanye. How would he feel about that? Like I said, this guy needs help. This guy is great, seriously disturbed. So I think you know. I think Obama killed Palestinians. Oh, no, I hear you. Here, here's where I think. Okay. Now here's the thing. Obama is Obama's a war criminal. All right. He killed um, <clears throat> Gaddafi. All right, and Gaddafi just wanted to have a gold standard. All right, for his people, won't be oppressed by the U.S. dollar. All right. And he was killed for it. All right. Now, that's true. I mean, you got JFK, the Bay of Pigs. You have many of these presidents who were war criminals. All right. Many of these presidents, when they get into office, the, a war goes off. All right. And that is the. That's just how it goes. This is why, you know. The, we know the American government, okay, is corrupt because it's about stealing resources and killing people. Straight off the bat. Okay. And, which is true, is the fact that sometimes we do look up to uh, murderers like Alexander the Great. Okay. We look up to Charlemagne the Great. We look up to, all right, we look up to people who are warriors and conquerors, right? And the thing is with, you know, that I could see that, all right? However, Hitler was a monster, pretty much, okay? He was a monster. And for Kanye to make these to make these statements is very disturbing. All right. And the thing is, he doesn't care about black people. He doesn't. He does not care about black people. And it's sad that black people don't understand that. They don't see that from him. He doesn't care. He wouldn't make these statements if he wanted to truly care about black people. Because he knows he'd need resources. He knows he would need, um, if he's going to battle against uh, the establishment, let's put it that way, in the entertainment industry, he needs a war chest. And so far, he's doing things to deplete his money, not increase it. And you have many black liberals who do not understand that this is that this is suicide. This is social and political suicide. This is the man who wants to run for president. And you will gladly vote for Kanye West.
a lot of these people are just, you know, hood dudes that live in a fantasy. All right. And think they could rise up against the elite with just their mouth and marching and protesting. That's not going to work because all the, the elite has to do is just take away your food, take away your right to work. Look what they're doing to Kanye. They took away his kids. Well, he did that to himself. I'm sorry. They took away his money, took away his deals. They took away his billionaire status. And let me, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> and let me tell you something. If they could take away your billionaire status, you were never a billionaire to begin with. Let's just get that straight. Because real billionaires like Warren Buffett, they have tangibles. They have assets. You can't take that away. the frustration is and nick you can comment on this and obama was not the first black president he was another jewish president he, you know it's like he had a really cool outfit and stuff and he was a really good architect and uh and so you're in love with the with the with the with the, with the architect the, the the look of it <laughs> oh god <sighs> oh boy oh you could tell I I tell I can tell he doesn't like to read and he that he lives to that quote. He doesn't like to read and reading is like Brussels sprouts to him, like eating Brussels sprouts. Because th th this is crazy what he's talking about. Again, with anybody who actually cares about black people, who wants to be a president, who wants to be a leader, wants to be a most of the people, will say these self-destructive comments. Just want to ask the black community who believes in Kanye. And he didn't kill six million Jews. That's just like factually incorrect. That's Guys, get the Ronald Reagan clip they showed me yesterday. Sorry, go ahead. Ronald Reagan said that too. Well, I think Hitler did target and kill some people. So I think, you know. I think Obama killed Palestinians. Yeah, man. This, oh, man. This, this, is, this is bad, man. This. Oh, man. Kanye's down bad. All right. He is down bad. And this this is just it's sad. It's just it's sad because no one is there to help him. No one's there to uh really want to talk to him and say No, Kanye, th this isn't the way to go, man. This is not the way to go. The Bible where it says God sees sin differently. Oh, well, and there's another place where it says, uh, you know, let me, you know, like one of the. All right. You know, like one of the big topics right now is all of the pedophilia advertisement. And my take on that is, you know, there's there's one place in the Bible where it says God sees sin differently, and there's another place where it says, uh, you know, let me get out my phone. I can, like, really pull up the exact thing it says in the Bible. The general gist, and we'll get back to it after the five-minute break, is that you have to uh, stay strict to everything and remove as much sin as possible in order to serve God. And when people look at pornography... When a, when a grown man is looking at a grown woman have sex 
on camera, you're still looking at someone's daughter and you're looking at a lot of times someone that is the product of pedophilia. So people will engage in going to strip clubs or looking at pornography, but then they, the moral compass is like, oh my God, look at the pedophiles. But in a way, anybody who looks at pornography is a form of a, uh, of a pedophile also. Let's, let's bank it all in. It's very simple. We're not gonna be talking about all this moral code and these standards right here. It's either Christ said so, or Christ said no. Yay, powerful information. I totally agree with you. Back. Okay, so my thing is, look at it. I mean, just, just look at it. I mean, this guy wants to come on, you know, live, live stream TV, and he doesn't have his facts out. He doesn't have, um, you know, an outline. He doesn't even have it outlined in, you know, he, like I said, he doesn't like to read, so he's not going to have it outlined in the Bible, like the where the passages say so. And um, I'm just going to look it up on his phone. I'm sorry, but I will say this about cell phone technology. It does make us kind of lazy. I will say that. And um, that it, right there, he's showing his laziness, okay? Like I said, do you really want a leader who's going to represent you like this? This is embarrassing. This is really embarrassing. Okay. But you're going to have some hood dudes, some hood black women, black men that want this man to be a spokesman for them. But he cannot even get the facts that he has said out of his mouth. Okay. And um, people were saying that Kanye makes Christians look bad. Uh, well, how could I say? I think Christians who side with Kanye make themselves look bad. That's what I would say. Because if they don't want, if they hear Kanye was a Christian, I would say that they would have to like hold him accountable. Like Kanye, if this is what you want to do to be a Christian, this is what you're gonna. This is if you say you're a Christian, this is what you have to do. And if you're not gonna do that, please keep your mouth shut about being a Christian. That's all. If you feel that way. All right. Here's another one. Like, like I said, he does not like to read. And this person is going to get himself in serious trouble. All right. Like I said, he's just being used and it's uh it's a sad sight, really. Because he's he's putting himself in this position. And I don't know what he thinks he's gonna gain out of it by siding with Milo Leonopolis and Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes is a known racist, okay, and Milo in Annapolis, okay, is a uh, someone with a very sketchy past, okay, a past that basically 
has him canceled for life. We'll get into that. All right. And here we are. Right here. One moment. Because this is what I'm saying, man. I mean, was that a smart thing for Kanye to do? You tell me. This is, is this a man that you want to, again, be your leader? Okay, here we go. After comments on pedophilia, Breitbart editor Milo Indianapolis resigns. Okay, Breitbart news editor Milo Indianapolis has resigned amid a social media backlash over comments he made that appeared to condone pedophilia. The news conference Tuesday, Indianapolis said he was, his resignation was effective immediately and praised the website as a significant factor in my success. He also explained that his view on sex with minors, insisting that he does not condone statutory rape. I do not believe any any change in the legal uh, in the legal age of consent is justifiable or desirable. Indianapolis said he was referring to comments in live stream interviews more than a year ago, in which he said, "We get hung up on this kind of child abuse stuff," and referenced this arbitrary and oppressive idea of consent. I said some things on those internet live streams that were simply wrong. He said Tuesday. He also said that he had been sexually abused as a child. Yiannopoulos' resignation com comes to one day after he lost both a prominent speaking gig at a conservative meeting and a book deal. First Monday afternoon, the, Af the American, I'm sorry, the American Conservative Union rescinded its invitation to the right-wing provocateur, noted for his political posts on the internet to speak at its annual conservative political action conference this upcoming weekend. Then, a few hours later, Simon & Schulster announced that it will be canceling the publication of Minneapolis' upcoming book, Dangerous. These actions come in the wake of the social media backlash against Minneapolis after the conservative news outlet, the Reagan Battalion, tweeted videos on Sunday in which Minneapolis appears to condone statutory rape and sexual relations between boys and men. Minneapolis had tried to clarify his comments Monday on Facebook, defending his remarks and referencing his own sexual history while also blaming his own sloppy phrasing and deceptive video editing. He said Tuesday that other publishers had expressed interest in his book, that he expected it to be published this year. He also said he was founding an independently funded media adventure and would be going on live tour in the coming weeks, including appearances on college campuses. Earlier this month, Indianapolis speaking engagement at the University of California, Berkeley, was canceled after students protested turned violent. Okay, so that is who Kanye West is siding with. All right, he is siding with somebody who has this type of history. Mm. Once again, I kind of want to ask black people who side with Kanye West is this the person you want, you know, to be your leader? Just saying, I just want to know. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, man. So I just want to know. I just want to know. 
All right, on to the next story. Weeks after Russia pulled out from Ukraine's Kherson region, the Ukrainian military has now said that Russia has also pulled out from towns on the opposite bank of the Dnieper River in the region. This comes as the first official Ukrainian report of a Russian withdrawal from what is now the new front line in the southern Ukrainian war zone. The statement has only put out some very limited details and has made no mention of any Ukrainian forces of having crossed the Dnieper River. But the Ukrainian officials have also stressed that Russia had intensified shelling across the river. This, they say, has once again knocked out power in Kherson, where electricity had only begun to be restored. After the Russian troops vacated the city and fled across the river ever since Russia abandoned Kherson last month, reports have in fact said that the river now forms the entire southern stretch of the waterfront. Russia has also already told the civilians to leave the towns within 15 kilometers of the Dnipro River. Moscow has withdrawn its civilian administration from the city of Novokokovka on the banks of Dnipro. Meanwhile, as per the CEO of Raytheon Technologies, the United States is working with the West Asian nations to move a handful of their air defense systems to Ukraine. The CEO Craig Hayes has said that the goal is to send national advanced surface-to-air missile systems to Ukraine in the next three to six months, adding that the United States will then backfill those systems with the new NASIMs in the Middle East over the course of the next 24 months. But this, of course, comes a day after the United States Army awarded a $1.2 billion contract to deliver six NASIMs to Ukraine by 2025. The deal is part of the fifth Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative package and also includes training and logistical support. This, even as Russia's foreign minister on Thursday accused the West of becoming directly involved in the Ukraine war by supplying it with weapons and training its soldiers. Поэтому не надо говорить, что США и НАТО не участвуют в этой войне. Вы напрямую участвуете, в том числе не только поставками оружия, но и Подготовкой кадров вы готовите военных на своей территории или на территории Великобритании, Германии, Италии, других стран. Okay, so you know, United States has to get into involved because Ukrainians are getting Ukrainian soldiers are getting slaughtered. All right, they are not equipped to handle some. You know, they can't. They can't handle Russia. Okay, they can try, but they're losing. Okay, a hundred thousand Ukrainian military servicemen are dead. Okay, the middle class and the lower class, excuse me, of Ukraine, the rich and the middle class of Ukraine, has left. They're fled. They're not coming back. Okay, it doesn't look. It's game over. Just like Kanye West, it's game over for Ukraine. Ukraine is not going to um, 
it's not it, it's the the best option, okay, for Ukraine is to surrender to Russia. Have peace talks. Those people, all right, who want to be part of Russia, let them be part of Russia. You know what? Give all of Ukraine to Russia. Give it all away. Because it would save Ukrainian lives. Those who are still left, it will save their lives. It will save the military uh, of Ukraine's men's lives. Okay? There is no way Ukraine's going to win this war. None at all. The fake news media will tell you otherwise. I'm going to tell you straight up. And many others are saying it. Ukraine's not going to win. They're not. So the United States military has to get involved. They have to. Because having this proxy war is not, it's not working out. Okay? It really isn't. Because they're looking like clowns, okay? It's it's embarrassing. It really is. All our taxpaying dollars, okay, is going to Ukraine. We have people here starving, can't get jobs, and we're giving away money to a racist nation, okay? That that can't fight Russia and are doing horrible things to their people. All right, I'm gonna show you something right now. Hold on one minute. I'm gonna show you something how it's really bad. I'm gonna show you how bad it really is. Here we are. Biden administration scrambles to track $20 billion in Ukraine aid as House Republicans won warns of audits. Biden's admin reportedly inspected just 10% of the weapons going to Ukraine between February and November. Just 10%. Just 10%. Okay. Biden's administration is scrambling to track the nearly $20 billion in military aid. It has sent to Ukraine as Republicans warn of impending audits when they take control of the House in January. Likely future House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said his party will not be giving Ukraine a blank check to fend off Russia's invasion. A potential audit would determine how much, if any, of the U.S. aid is ending up in the wrong hands. The Biden administration's previous tracking effort has inspected only a fraction of the aid provided to the country. The Republican push to ramp up oversight enjoys some bipartisan support in Congress. Some staunch Ukraine allies fear the party will cut off aid to the country entirely, however. Firebrand Republican Majority Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, has vowed to hold our government accountable for Ukraine spending and some of her colleagues across the aisle are echoing her message. The taxpayers deserve to know that investment is going to where it's intended to go. Republican Jason Crow of uh, Colorado told the Washington Post, in any war, 
there can be missteps and misallocation supplies. The lawmakers agree that current monitoring efforts appear woefully inadequate with the Biden administration inspecting just 10 percent of the 22,000 weapons of the U. 22,000 weapons the U.S. has provided to Ukraine between February and November 1st, according to the Post. U.S. allies in Europe have expressed hope that the Republican skepticism of Ukraine aid will not lead to widespread cutting off of funding. However, I'm sorry that 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 that's happening. That that will. I'm sorry that's not going to happen. I, I I retract that statement. They're still going to put money into this. You'd be playing with into Putin's hands, UK. Parliament member Tobias, Tobias Ellawood said in October, if America pulls back, Putin could snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. He's going to win any... What are you talking about? It's, Putin's going to win this. McCarthy has based his criticism of the aid packages on America's economic situation as the economy threatens to fall into recession. I think people are going... Are, going to be sitting in recession, and they're not going to write a blank check to Ukraine, McCarthy said last month. They just won't do it. It's not a free blank check. Nevertheless, America's funding for Ukraine has been largely bipartisan under Biden, and many Republicans say there is no reason that funding cannot continue in some form. <laughs> That's what I said, man. They, they Look, both sides are for white supremacy. A lot of people want to ignore that. It's true. It's that's what it is. No one in Republican leadership has called for an end to the aid for Ukraine. All right. Republican Mike Turner from Glen of Ohio said Monday, people on Republican side are saying, why do we have to pass a 40 billion dollar package to send eight billion to Ukraine? Mm. Something's going on. Something is going on. And, I, you know, both sides are in on this. Okay, and both sides want this war to continue. That's what they want. Okay. And let me show you something else. Let me show you something else. Okay, here we are. French politician warns of Zelensky attempts to provoke world war. At the Kiev is blamed for Poland's missile. Uh, <clears throat> for Poland's missile, a French politician calls for on his country to stop lethal supplies to Ukraine. President Vladimir to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. The head of the party, uh, the head of the party Dubat La France, France Arise, and a former French president candidate. Nicolas Dupont Edgen advises Paris to halt its supplies for Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky following his effort to ignite a third world war. Zelensky sending a missile to Poland and blaming the Russians for this almost provoked World War III. Stop supporting this dangerous man. It is necessary to urgently find a plan to return to peace, Dupont Edgen tweeted. Okay. The peace plan is the only conceivable solution to the Ukrainian conflict, and that should be a ceasefire, the official stress. Two 
persons were killed when two rockets fell on Polish territory near the Ukrainian border last Tuesday. Warsaw initially stated that the missiles were Russian-made, but it was later said by many that they were most likely fired by Ukrainian air defense forces. The Russian defense ministry stated that no strikes were carried out near the Ukrainian-Polish border, and the wreckage and photographs shared on the internet does not resemble Russian weapons. The initial investigation indicated, according to the Associated Press, citing the U.S. sources that the missile that impacted Poland was launched by Ukrainian forces in response to inbound Russian missile. All right. So you even have people, you know, speaking out that stop supporting Zelensky. Stop supporting this man. He's going to get everybody killed. He doesn't care about his own people. His own, people, his own soldiers are dying of inadequate medical supplies, inadequate weaponry. They have to drive their civilian cars into war. That's what they have to do. Meanwhile, he's doing interviews with David Letterman. His wife is doing photo shoots. That's what's going on. Okay. That is what's going on. Yet you still have people saying, oh, I'm down with Ukraine. When they have a madman, a racist, white supremacist madman in office who wants to start a world war. I remember doing a... Uh, a video a live stream about how Biden was trying to get the Supreme Court to have the right to uh, take away people's guns. All right. And look what's happening here. Just take a look. All right. Here's what's going on. Montana <clears throat> All right, let's see. Let's see. Montana Attorney General concerned FedEx, UPS may be tracking gun ownership for White House. FedEx and UPS have changed shipping policies on firearms in a way that allows easy supervision and cataloging of sellers and buyers, Attorney General says. Here's what's going on. Montana Attorney General Austin Kinson sent letters to logistics companies, UPS and FedEx, demanding information on their altered policies on firearms and whether they are in cooperation with federal agencies. What this looks to me and a lot, a lot of my colleagues is the administration can't get more gun control passed through the Senate and through the House. And so what they're trying to do is pressure their friends in large business to do it for them. Montana Attorney General Austin Kinson told Fox Digital News in a phone interview Wednesday. Kinson was pushed to send the letters Tuesday, first obtained by the Freedom Beacon after receiving complaints from several Montanians who hold federal firearms licenses, FFLs, who told the Attorney General that the new regulations and information collected effectively circumvent warrant laws. Kinson was joined by 17 other state attorneys generals and sending the letters Tuesday to the UPS and FedEx leaders, asking the companies to clarify the policies they say are allowing the companies to track gun purchases. According to the reports, FedEx and UPS now require FFL holders to, cre to create three separate shipping accounts, one for firearms, one for firearm parts, and one for all other 
firearm related products. The letter reads under this three tier system, gun sellers cannot mix and match shipments, which reveals. Hold on one second. All right. Hold on a second. Bear with me. Trying to fix this right now. Okay, it's fixed. All right. All right. Kinesin went on to allege that the new shipping policies, which create highly specific categories of shipping, make it impossible for gun sellers to mix firearms, firearm parts, and other firearm paraphernalia. In addition to creating three distinct shipping groups, FedEx, UPS, and now apparently demands apparently demands that gun store owners retain documents about what specific items those shipments contain and make that information available to, fi- to FedEx upon request. Kinnison continued. These demands in tandem allow FedEx to create a database of American gun purchasers and determine exactly what items they purchase. Spokesperson for FedEx told Fox News Digital that the company is aware of the letter from the state attorney general. We are committed to the lawful and safe movement of regulated items through our network, the statement added. Fox News Digital also reached out to UPS, ATF, and the White House for comment. Knudsen and other state attorney generals are calling for on the companies to clarify whether the new policies were enacted with the goal of information sharing with the ATF or any other federal agency. If the policies were enacted at the request of a federal agency and to name federal agency if the policies were enacted at the request of the federal government to name those federal agencies. Sorry, this is already highly regulated. If it isn't like you can't just ship a gun through the mail to somebody, federal law prohibits that. You have to ship from one federal one federal firearms license holder to another federal firearms license holder. Whoever is receiving that firearm has to go through the same background check as you would if you walked into a gun store. So this is already quite cumbersome and quite regulated. Well, now we're in a situation where the UPS and FedEx magically together at the same time come up with this brilliant idea each on their own to require three different shipping accounts. Nuts and told Fox News Digital. Nutson said he finds it extremely convenient that both UPS and FedEx roll out the same policies at the same time. All right. So basically, you know, people are going to have to try and be a little bit more conspicuous. I'm talking about those who are responsible gun owners, people who want to protect their families and their businesses because due to the recession and due to the society slowly falling apart, going to have to find ways to uh, get around this to protect your families. That's all that can be said because it's not looking good. It just isn't under the Biden administration. And we're in a recession. People are going to lose jobs, food shortages. 
businesses are closing. People are going to get robbed. People are going to get hurt. And Biden does not care. At all. All right. On to the next story. All right. Defense and national security military vaccine mandate, another potential NDAA wrench. Here we go. With the deadline to pass the annual defense authorizations bill blooming, GOP lawmakers are throwing a potential wrench into the timeline. At the center of the issue is the Biden administration's military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. We'll share what the issue is and why it matters, plus what President Biden's nominee for ambassador to Russia told senators today in the newly announced death of ISIS leader. Okay. This is Defense and National Security, your nightly guide to the latest developments. All right. Okay, let's get into this. Okay. So GOP lawmakers target Pentagon vaccine mandate. Nearly all Republican governors and 13 GOP Senate lawmakers are taking aim at the Biden administration's military COVID-19 vaccine mandate, with the two groups on Wednesday urging congressional leadership to try to alter or altogether dismantle the ruling. The 21 GOP governors led by Tennessee Governor Bill Lee issued a joint letter to top lawmakers asking them to take immediate action to remove and prohibit the mandate. The governor's argument, the Biden vaccine mandate on our military creates a national security risk that severs impacts, severely impacts our defense capabilities abroad and our state readiness here at home. The governors argue, claiming that the current service members are leaving our ranks and new recruits are not signing up to join. Yeah, they're not signing up to join, you know, a host, among other things, you know, sexual assault, uh, the corruption in the military, a whole bunch of other things. Meanwhile, in the Senate, 13 Republican senators, meanwhile, hope to insert language in the annual defense authorization bill that would prohibit any service member from being removed from the ranks should they refuse the the vaccine, as well as reinstate those already discharged with back pay. In a separate letter led by Senator Ron Johnson, lawmakers oppose moving forward with the fiscal 2023 National Defense Authorization Act unless Senate votes on amendment that includes such stipulations. The Department of Defense COVID-19 vaccine mandate has ruined the livelihoods of men and women who are probably who have honorably served our country. Reads the letter sent to Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. Senate Republican Whip Johnson Thune, Senate Republican Conference Chairman John Barrasso of Wyoming, and Senate Republican Policy Committee Chairman Roy Blunt. Okay. The Pentagon in August 2021 required COVID-19, COVID-19 vaccinations for all service members, including those in National Guard and Reserve. With those who do not comply facing loss of days they accrue toward retirement, loss of pay, or even dismissal from the ranks known as involuntary separation. The U.S. military in February began to discharge service members, service members for refusing the vaccine. When Pentagon officials in April telling Congress about the 3,400 troops had been involuntarily separated from service. 
Okay, the mandate has received heavy pushback from Republican lawmakers and have been the subject of several lawsuits looking to, to dismantle, looking to dismantle it. All right. But the Biden administration has held firm with defense officials arguing that the vaccine mandate is meant to ensure force readiness and is critical to the health and safety of the force with no readiness issues yet observed. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's true. It is true because there's a lot of issues with this, man. There is a lot of issues. And a lot of people are not, you know, they're fed up. There's a lot of pushback with it. A lot of people are not going to take it anymore. Okay. And they're within their right. There's too much backlash. There's too much people have had enough. These two years, so many people have suffered. Okay. So many people have, uh, how do I put this? They've been deleted due to this. And you have all types of stories that are coming out due to this. All right. All types of stories coming out on social media now. People are not taking it anymore. They're not taking it anymore. Later on Wednesday, a group of Republican senators threatened to withhold their votes to advance the NDAA in the, if the chamber does not vote on whether to end the COVID vaccine mandate for the members of the military led by Senator Rand Paul, okay, and Lindsey Graham. The group said the military is struggling with recruiting and the exodus of thousands for not getting vaccinated hasn't helped matters. Congress should take action, and we're taking action by saying we will not vote to get an NAA, NDAA unless we have a vote on ending, the on ending this military vaccine mandate, Paul told reporters at a press conference at the Capitol. Who's withholding? Paul said 20 Senate Republicans have signed a letter signaling they would vote against the, clo the clutter of the NDAA. 41 senators are needed back the effort in order to grind the NDAA action to halt. And the, Ken and the Kentucky Republican acknowledged their efforts will go nowhere without support from the GOP. And no member of Republican leadership has thus far jumped on board with Paul saying their response has been agnostic. But Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, who also signed the letter asked for of reporters of supporters of the vaccine mandate, is this really a hill worth dying on? I think not. The group of senators said the possible amendment vote should be held at a simply majority threshold, meaning that 51 senators couldn't could put the bill over the top to get attached to the overall proposal. This, I mean, it's it's a good thing that many of the many of the military servicemen and women are leaving. It's not worth it anymore. People are seeing it's not worth it anymore. It isn't. All right. But here's some more information. Since we're talking about the military, since we're talking about war, got some more information 
from your favorite American skinhead. That's right. Okay. Let's hear what... Uh, drum roll, please. Mr. Kent Boneface McClellan has to say, all the real skinheads went to Ukraine. An American neo-Nazi outlines the crimes of his Ukrainian colleagues. Kent Boneface McClellan says that Americans are being misinformed about the Ukraine conflict, and they are led to believe Russia decides to bomb the F out of places for no reason. Okay. Earlier this month, Juan Semedo, who runs a popular Telegram channel, documenting human rights abuses in Ukraine, published an explosive interview with Boneface, real name Kent McLennan, a 32-year-old neo-Nazi from Florida who joined the fascist volunteer right sector group during the Donbass War and returned to fight alongside Azov Battalion in January of 2022. The discussion with McLennan shatters many myths and lies that have been circulated about the Maidan coup the current conflict in Ukraine, and the disturbing strong influence of nationalist governments within the country. McLennan, the son of a frontman of neo-Nazi rock band Brutal Attack, got involved with far-right activism while just a teenager and had numerous run-ins with the law for subversive racially charged activities. He and other members of the racist organization American Front were detained by the FBI in May 2012 for preparing terrorist attacks against ethnic minorities in Florida. It was this background that led him to travel to Ukraine in 2014. The American fascist circles he moved in had direct links to direct links and regular contact with nationalist groups at the forefront of the Maidan, which at the time were hosting large public events nearly daily in the, every oblast that wasn't seeing war, as did far-right movements in many other nearby countries, including Finland, Georgia, and Latvia. Okay. In case the world wonders what happened to all the real skinheads, they went to Ukraine, McClinton said. It seems the U.S. government approved of the presence of McClinton and others in Ukraine at that time. He says he got caught, it's not clear by whom or what, teaching Ukrainians DNS poisoning, and the Americans wanted to sit in and help. They didn't want names or anything. They wanted to monitor the situation. Without this backing, I would have... I would have been charged with violation of the American Neutrality Act, McClendon claims. Okay, here we go. Unpunished war crimes. In 2015, an absolutely horrific video began circling, which, perpet which perpetually depicted members of the Azov Battalion crucifying a Russian resident of eastern Ukraine, then setting the cross upon which he was literally and bloodily nailed on fire. Around the same time, another clip titled, Wow, um, the race. This is a racial slurs. Um, this is a racial slurs towards you know uh, the small hats. Get the rope, featuring a hanged pregnant woman and her husband, also proliferated online. It was claimed the pair were pair were, were Jews had been lynched by Azov fighters. Multiple Ukrainian and Western government-funded fact-checking websites, including the neo-Nazi sympathizing Stop Fake, declared the footage to be fraudulent and did so again in, co in chorus when the gruesome visuals resurfaced widely following February 24th. The Azov Battalion has also 
repeatedly denied that their fighters were responsible for other heinous acts, although their defense was not compelling. It was simply claimed that the Azov logo on murderers' uniforms were much larger than it should be. Wow. And this is who the U.S. government is defending. This is They're sending money to Ukraine. And it's going to help the Ukrainian military and Azov Battalion. Not to mention that I will say this again. Azov Battalion went to Washington, D.C. And who supported? Who did they get support from? The Republicans. Not just Democrats. Republicans. Okay. The testimony of McLennan confirms those videos are very real. He, in fact, features in the crucifixion image footage, I'm sorry, and took photos of tornado fighters posing with corpses of the hanged couple. Though the pair were not, in fact, Jewish, and the ritualistic, ritualistic murder was too extreme even for his violent taste, I wouldn't have supported an action like that, he says. One of, on the subject of tornado, McClendon refers to the fascist um, paramilitary battalion as by far the most horrifying thing I've ever seen or dealt with in my life. Investigations by Western right groups concluded that tornado inflicted absolutely brutal torture on captured separatist fighters and innocent civilians in the Donbass. Prisoners were stripped naked, held in basements, electric shocks were applied to their genitals and other parts. Some detainees were forced to assault each other under the threat of death. McLennan was involved in some of Tornado's savage interrogations and suggests that the treatment of such people in the same is the same with Russians. I would guess in reference to soldiers captured since 20, February 24th, a number of tornado fires were eventually jailed by Ukrainian government for their actions despite their rap sheets, including the assault of children, torture, and cold-blooded murder of civilians, they somehow avoided war crime charges and typically, typically got light sentences. For example, the battalion's founder, Roslan Osinko, a sadistic pedophile, received just 11 years in prison in 2017. He is one of several tornado fighters released from prison by President Vladimir Zelensky since the conflict started and sent to fight in the hottest spots. Wow. Two different wars. Upon his return to Ukraine at the start of this year, Boneface enlisted with the Azov Battalion and quickly became involved in the fight for Maripol, which led him witnessing a lot of heinous crap. He describes the early stages of the battle as a lot of shooting and at, a lot of shooting absolutely nothing and a lot of soldiers not knowing what to do. And he felt that citizens of Maripol were divided heavily on a pro-Ukraine and pro-Russian stance. During this time, McLennan alleges Azov was in talks with the CIA and the Pentagon, which conducted intelligence operations during the war there. It is American meddling in Ukraine that caused Russia's invasion, McLennan believes. While not viewing Russia as the victim, he accepts that the country was provoked by Kiev and the West. He is very critical of his fellow countrymen for not knowing that places such as Oseta exist or Georgia's evasion of it. They just think Russia decides to bomb the F out of places for no reason, McClendon says. Boneface was <clears throat> shipped back to the U.S. on an order after Ukrainian security services were busted planning to kill him 
in a hospital in Kiev. He continues to support Azov to the fullest, but he doesn't support the EU or NATO and feels if the latter was to get involved in the conflict, there won't be anything as far as a nationalist ghost worth or let or left fighting for. McClendon says there was a massive celebration when Ukrainian did not was denied for NATO for NATO. For him, <clears throat> this reflects how the Ukraine conflict is effectively uh, is effectively two wars: the one the nationalists are fighting, and the one the state is fighting, and the two are are entirely different. He foresees Azov and other nationalist groups being thrown under the bus by Kiev in the future once their usefulness for for the NATO regime ran out. Echoing the words of the assassinated chief of the right sector, we're not finished yet in the Madin. McLennan concludes by saying, I would like to see Russia just go home. And while the government in Kiev is frail, another Madin revolution. Yeah, so this this is what's going on. This this is what's going on. All right, Zelensky got pedophiles in his rank, and these monsters are doing all heinous crap to people. Okay. This is what's going on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Okay, here's another story right here. One minute. Okay. The death of a U.S. mercenary exposes the bleak reality of service with Ukraine's International Legion. Grim accounts from surviving volunteers are forgotten as Western media favors fantasy narratives about Ukraine, Ukrainian heroism and success. I, I don't know how those guys sleep at night. How do you sleep at night, you know, telling mass media, mainstream media, okay, how do you sleep at night telling them lies? All right. That's what you have to do. You have to tell absolute lies that Ukraine is winning. They're not winning. It's been confirmed that Trent Davis, a 21-year-old U.S. citizen who traveled to Ukraine to fight in the International Legion, has been killed in combat. The 10th American known to have met their end in the conflict. His premature death highlights the enormous danger facing foreigners joining Kiev's fight. Davis was an army veteran who, having enlisted at just 17, however, he had no actual combat experience, having served as a chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear defense specialist before leaving in December of 2021. He reportedly traveled to Ukraine in March to join the Georgian Legion, a unit so notorious for executing Russian prisoners of war that they even that even the Western media has been forced to acknowledge its savagery. The foreign mercenaries, however, considered Davis incompetent and insufficiently inexperienced to take part in hostilities. So he was sent home two months later. Davis returned in October and two weeks later was overjoyed to inform his mother that he had signed a contract and was officially part of the International Legion created on 26th of February by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to attract foreign fighters. Oh, man, you had a way out, man. You had a way out. You got rejected. It wasn't. See, the thing is, sometimes, man, <clears throat> when you have when you try to join, when you try to take advantage of certain opportunities, right? When you find that doors are closing in your face, 
that opportunity is not for you. It sucks. It hurts. It may hurt your pride as a man. But that, I'll say it like this, that's God looking out for you. Certain things are not for you, especially if the door keeps slamming in your face over and over again. But if you get in, it may not be like, yeah, you know, I persevered. I got through. No, that means the fact that, hey, that, that could be like, you know, I'm trying to protect you. And, hey, you know. The opportunity to keep yourself from joining in this mess. I think news anchors who lie to the masses should face charges. If you choose to be a part of this machine of lies, death, and destruction, if you choose to lie to the American people, lie to people worldwide, about situations like this, you need to face criminal charges. I firmly believe that. Okay. Anyone who attempts, who wants to join the defense of Ukraine, Europe, and the world can come and fight side by side with Ukrainians, Zelensky said in a statement at the time in which he eased visa restrictions to facilitate their arrival. Davis told his mother he would soon be heading out to fight in a counteroffensive in the south of Ukraine. His mother and father had never heard from their son again. On the 8th of November, he was killed on his very first mission as Ukrainian forces attempted to recapture Kherson. The details of how Davis died are murky, although the greatest mystery of all is why he was hired by the International Legion in the first place, let alone sent to the front line on his very first outing. Officials at least come officially at least combat experience officially at least combat experience, which he, of course, lacked, and a belief in freedom and democracy are the basic requirements for enlistment in the unit. Oh, man. This is... Oh, gosh, this sucks, man. I don't, I don't even feel... I, I feel so bad reading this story, but it has to be shown. It has to be shown because there are many men like Davis lost their lives over a lie. This is why you don't join these military conflicts. You may call me, you know, you're anti-military. I'm not. I'm not anti-military. But I will say this. <clears throat> the reason why I say this is why you don't let your kids join wars is because, like uh, in the movie Troy, war is nothing more than young men dying and old men talking. Plus, you're not dying for freedom. You're dying for corporations. That's a fact. You're dying for corporations. You're not dying for freedom. Those are lies. That's propaganda. That's what they feed you. And then when you go over there, you're guarding some oil, you know, some oil tower. All right. Or you're taking resources that belong to the foreigners, to those people. You're bringing it over to the U.S. <coughs> That's what you're doing. When contacted by the Military Times, the International Legion declined to comment on why Davis was sent to the front, only remarking that recruiting decisions are made by officers in Western Ukraine, and amazingly alleging no commando takes an inexperienced soldiers who do not have appropriate training and skills. So why did they take him? Clearly, a commander did not respect 
clearly a commander did in respect of Davis. And there is no reason to believe he was in any way unique. He had no experience. Why take him? Why would you do that? You know what I think? They're desperate. Tales from another side. While mainstream outlets have outwardly ignored the corruption, brutality, and abuses that are daily staple of life on the front line with an international legion, foreigners who fought with them aren't silent about the horrors they witness firsthand and have openly discussed their experiences in YouTube interviews and via other mediums. Take, for example, a former U.S. Marine who fought with the International Legion who has revealed that Ukrainian commanders don't have radios, artillery cover, or extraction teams for wounded soldiers and testified to a thriving black market for Western weapons such as anti-tank missiles. Man, I did a, I did a live on this. Ukrainians don't... They don't have, they barely, the weapons don't go there. They, the U.S. government's just flushing money down the toilet, man. The money, the weapons barely reaches Ukraine, and the weapons don't have serial numbers, so you can't trace them. He reported to, that these weapons would be collected in unmarked vans and ferried away to places unknown, and public Western officials deny that any arms sent to Kiev have ended up on the black market. But the ex-Marine claims U.S. officials he encountered acknowledged that low-level corruption was an epidemic. It has, moreover, been confirmed that at least some of this arsenal is circulating in Europe. The corruption he encountered took other forms. Foreign soldiers of fortune will offer financial inducements to, for destroying Russian vehicles and aircraft, which led them fighting over rewards. Pointlessly, as it happened, given the reward, money often wasn't paid at all. Another former International Legion fighter echoed much of the ex-Marines reports alleging that NATO anti-craft guns constantly disappeared from his unit's armory within days of arrival. The Ukrainian security service, despite knowing about this, did nothing. Commanders who were reported to superiors for their complicity in this criminal activity also were, went unpunished. Volunteers don't trust Ukrainian authorities because of how corrupt they are. It, yo, let me tell you something. I did a I did a live stream, right? They when nurses send medical supplies there, the Ukrainian um, official that's in charge of taking it and bringing it to the to the Ukrainian soldiers, it doesn't go to them. They take it and they sell it. Volunteers don't trust the Ukrainian authorities because of how corrupt they are. From so many people, war is profitable. It's hard to find reliable sources where your supplies and equipment can reach the right people, the former fighter said. They keep stealing left and right. The problem in Ukraine is that it's their, it's in their culture. Looks like they steal from all levels. And <clears throat> and also is the fact this is why, you, you know, when these Ukrainian refugees go to different parts of, the, of uh, Western nations for... Um, for shelter, they start wreaking havoc. All right. They start doing things that are just, you know, low life. You know, you, you know, you leave your, like one case of a woman in Ireland, you know, she took in a, a Ukrainian single mother and her, and her daughter. Next thing you know, she abandons the daughter there, the mother, and she's, you know, turning tricks, having a bunch of cars lined up at her house. <clears throat> That's what she was doing. Another couple in Britain, okay, um, they worked out an agreement, 
Okay, you're gonna stay here with your daughter, another single mother, and you know, you could we'll pay you to wash the dishes and stuff. You know what that Ukrainian refugee mother did? That single mother, she reported the woman saying, Oh, you're making me a slave. She put that woman's livelihood in jeopardy. This is who we this is who the United States government is protecting. Complicating the international legions battle even further in the south and east of Ukraine, its fighters frequently encounter significantly hostility towards them and Ukrainian soldiers from the local population who provide information to Russian forces, leading to their ambush capture, if not destruction. Hey, they don't you guys are acting like scumbags. Why would they want you around? And some Ukrainians, they see Russia as the heroes. They see the Russian soldiers as the heroes because they know what it's like being under Zelensky. OK, there's a lot that's not told about Zelensky. All right. There's a whole lot not told about him, especially with the fact that, uh, you know, he kills journalists. <clears throat> oh, they're not talking about that. They're not talking about that. The problem with the dunk test is that it is highly pro-Russian. There is really there's a really serious issue with so many pro-Russian civilians. One foreign fighter said, for me, it's hard to say how Ukraine can conduct the fight against all those spies, if you can call them that. One way Ukrainian forces fight against spies, alleged collaborators, is some in summary torture and execution. Shockingly, such blood-soaked cleanup operations have been outright praised by the Western media and hailed as symbols of Kyiv's liberation of territory. Anyone who helps Russian forces in any way can be considered a collaborator. But some, such as teachers, get off lighter with harsh prison sentences. It's not merely civilians caught up in the conflict who need to be careful about who they assist. An, Austra an Australian who joined the International Legion has claimed that Ukrainian commanders often send foreign fighters to the most dangerous battles with death almost guaranteed, using them as courageous war propaganda poster boys. In some disturbing instances, if senior officials didn't like a particular fighter or group of fighters, they would even deliberately dispatch them on literal suicide missions. Wow. Once the, Austra the Australian mercenaries said a group of foreign recruits was ordered to walk across a minefield without knowing about the explosive devices lurking under the soil. What? These are, of course, the assorted words of the International Legion volunteers who made it back. Total fatality numbers are not known. In keeping with Western media's wider failure to seriously report on the reality on the ground in favor of fantasy narratives about Ukrainian heroism and success, their cautions have fallen on deaf ears. As the Russian winter offensive begins, this oath of silence may not be able to endure much longer. While Ukraine keeps, um, keeps its casualty figures as closely guarded state secret, Western officials have quietly admitted that at least 100,000 have lost their lives to date. 100,000. There are surely many more Trent Davises, Trent Davises in the ranks of the International Legion. And while dead men tell no tales, their families do. This is a... Uh, American people need to wake up, man. You need to wake up. Because a lot of people are dying. A lot. Okay, and it's sad. Okay, 
It really is. And uh, I don't know what to say. I really don't. I don't, I really don't know what to, what to say. What because people are trusting the American government to tell them the truth. They're trusting the news media. All right. And they're being lied to. And when people find out the truth and they're trying to tell the truth, you know, people get mad. They're saying you conspiracy theorist. You're a conspiracy theorist. What do you know? You're crazy. You believe everything the mainstream idiot box is telling you. But when the truth, but it's playing out before your eyes, and you don't want to hear nothing about it. So let's talk about uh, Biden and uh, how he's screwing over the railroad workers. That's going to affect um, businesses across the country and getting access to proper food. Let's get into that. Fair use, by the way to intervene to block freight rail workers from going on. Second. What's going on? Okay. It could devastate the economy. On Monday, Biden asked lawmakers to quickly pass legislation to impose a labor deal that's been opposed by the majority of freight rail workers. In a statement, Biden said, quote, as a proud pro-labor president, I'm reluctant to override the ratification procedures and the views of those who voted against the agreement. But in this case, where the economic impact of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families, I believe Congress must use its powers to adopt this deal, Biden said. Many union activists criticized Biden's move to block a strike. Ron Kaminko, a locomotive engineer and organizer for Railroad Workers United, spoke to Democracy Now! last night. So, unfortunately, the most labor-friendly president, quote-unquote, we've ever had, um, basically has opted to side with the Class 1 carriers, uh, Class 1 rail carriers, because he had the opportunity, uh, and he's had that opportunity since this whole debacle began, uh, to basically urge, coax, cajole, and otherwise badger and bully the rail carriers into meeting what are very, very modest demands of rank and file railroad workers. Um, and in his latest request here to Congress to legislate us basically uh, back to work before we even had a chance to strike, um, under the terms and conditions of the tentative agreement, which is not very popular with the rank and file. We have uh, unions that represent 55% of rail labor have voted this contract down. And so we could have seen Biden actually opt for telling Congress he would like to see Congress pass legislation uh, that uh, mediates an end to the conflict uh, under which more favorable terms to the workers, which is to say a handful of sick days. And that's what this has come down to. Uh, railroad workers traditionally have had no sick time. And now with the very, very harsh attendance policies that we're faced with, railroad workers get very, very little time off work. And it has come to a crunch point. We're seeing workers leaving the industry, 
in droves, in numbers never ever believed possible. People with 15 and 20 years seniority are leaving the industry. Uh, and there's a crisis out there. And I don't believe the Biden administration quite understands the depth of this crisis. And I don't think they understand that they could have actually taken an approach that would have benefited rail labor and potentially benefited the rail industry itself. Uh, instead, unfortunately, the president is urging Congress uh, to, to basically legislate an agreement based upon uh, what he brokered along with Marty Walsh, uh, the Secretary of Labor, uh, two months ago. Uh, but the rank and file have made it very clear that they are not content uh, with this contract that simply does not address the quality of work-life issues. This all comes as profits soar for the freight rail industry, which has reduced the rail workforce by 30 percent over the last six years. Since I entered the industry more than a quarter century ago, I have watched as the rail industry has made record profits. Uh, the operating ratio when I hired in, I believe, was somewhere in the mid-80s. It dropped into the 70s, 60s. The rail industry is hell-bent on achieving a 0.50 operating ratio, and who knows where they might even want to go from there. Uh, stock buybacks has reached record proportion. Uh, the dividends that have been paid out to stockholders are enormous. Warren Buffett, was, for one, who bought BNSF outright a decade ago, will state unequivocally that his investment has paid off to him way more than he even expected it to. Uh, the wealth that has been accumulated by these rail carriers uh, over the last quarter century, while they have moved less freight than they did 16 years ago, uh, shippers from practically every major shipping group that ships by rail is in a state of total discontent. They have complained vociferously to the Surface Transportation Board uh, demanding better service. Uh, the rail industry has gouged their customers. They've shed themselves of about a third of their employees in the last six years. And they've basically pissed off just about everybody in the country except for their stockholders. And now we come down to the wire and contract negotiations where literally what separates the parties is a handful of sick time, sick time that most workers actually uh, have achieved decades and decades ago, but railroad workers have traditionally gone without. And we finally have said enough is enough. We want a handful of sick days. And yet the rail carriers see fit to dig in their heels. Uh, these Fortune 500 companies who have made, like I say, record profits these last 25 years uh, and refuse to give us anything. And unfortunately, the Biden administration is incapable of citing unequivocally with us as the most labor-friendly president ever, uh, we would have expected that from him. So there's a lot of... That's the thing. Democracy is supposed to be... The Democrats are supposed to be, supposed to be for the people. They're supposed to be for the, the, the you know, the people who are laborers who work on the railroads, the people who, you know, and the people who deliver your food from the people who work on railroads, so the people who work in mine, who are miners, they're supposed to be for the people who keep this country running. They're supposed to be that way. But I am thankful for these times. I am thankful for these times. As much as it's screwed up, as much as it's uh, 
you know, um, just ugly times. It's exposing who they are. You're seeing the ugliness on the Republicans. You're seeing the ugliness on the Democrats. People are starting to see that they need to start taking care of themselves. They're starting to see that they need to um, need to, to, to depend on themselves to survive. They need to, uh, if they if they even could, you know, try to set up a GoFundMe for these railroad workers. That would be that would be great. That would be great. Because the, the Republican and Democrats are starting to show that people need to go back to um, bartering. They need to, to, to work among themselves to help people out in need. Because the government is not going to help you. That's what they're showing you. They're not telling you. They're showing you. That's what's going on right now. Okay. Because things are going to get worse. They're not getting better. They're getting worse. And this fantasy of like things are going to get better. Thing, no. No. Things are not getting better. All right. We have another. Uh, we, have, we have a lot that's coming down the pipe. Mass, uh, the mass mandate is coming back for L.A. All right. Things are not getting better. Some railway workers say Biden turned his back on us in deal to avert rail strike. Okay. Matthew Weaver was excited earlier this week and optimistic, even optimistic. He as he and a co-worker hung drywall at a rail yard in Lordston, Ohio. The House of Representatives had voted on a resolution to give freight rail workers seven days of sick leave, something Weaver Union had been fighting for in recent months. When as the hours passed and legislation moved on to the Senate, Weaver's doubts grew. Sure enough, the measure failed in the Senate. So on Friday morning, after three years of failed negotiations, President Biden instead signed into law a measure that imposes the contract agreement brokered by his administration back in September, a deal that gives workers a 24% raise over five years, caps on health care premiums, an additional personal day but no paid sick days. It's very frustrating, says Weaver, a railroad carpenter since 1996. Here's America's essential workers, rail workers. We have no paid sick days. It's disgusting. Biden urged Congress to pass legislation without any modifications or delay. Four of the 12 freight rail unions collectively representing more than half of the 115,000 freight rail workers covered by the deal had voted down the agreement, citing the lack of paid sick days as a primary reason. Workers who voted no say they were frustrated and disappointed, especially with President Biden, who on Monday called on Congress to pass legislation to adopt a tentative agreement with no modifications in order to avoid crippling rail strike. It feels like President Biden assured this in a little too early, says Weaver. He kind of cuts off at the knees on our ability to have some real negotiations or real change after voting no. In Richmond, Virginia, railway mechanic Reese Murtaugh says it sets a bad precedent when even the most pro-labor of presidents will force an agreement rather than allow workers to strike. In further negotiations, the carriers are going to remember that and use it against us, says Murtaugh. It's going to even 
hard. It's even, it's going to be even harder for us to negotiate a fair contract because they realize when it goes down, when it comes down to it, there's not going to be a strike. Murta says guys in his shop felt especially disillusioned thinking back on Biden's decades in the Senate when he thank Amtrak when he take Amtrak home to Delaware every night. Joe relied on us to get him home to his family, Murtaugh says. But when it's his turn to help us out to be better to better our life, he turns his back on us. On Monday, Biden acknowledged it was a tough move to make. As a proud pro-labor president, I'm reluctant to override the rat ratification procedures and the views of those he voted against the agreement, he said in a statement. But in the case, in this case, where the economic impact of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families. I believe Congress must have must use its power to adopt to adopt this deal. First off, all you had to do to avoid this strike in the first place was to give them sick days. What was the problem? Just give them sick days. As he signed the rail legislation into law on Friday, Biden didn't dodge the issue. Look, I know this bill doesn't have doesn't have paid sick leave that these rail workers and frankly every worker in America deserves. But that fight isn't over, he said. I've supported paid sick leave for a long time. I'm going to continue that fight till we succeed. No, you you had it and you decided not to do that. This is why it makes no sense to trust these people, especially Joe Biden. But, you know, people are not seeing that. Joe Biden is not somebody to trust. Workers will get back raises and bonuses. Because the new contract covers a five-year period dating back to 2020, workers will see an average payout of 16000 in back raises and bonuses within about 60 days. According to the Associated American Railroads, the trade group also says by the end of the contract, total average annual pay and benefits will reach 160000 a year. Let's be clear. Railroading is tough, essential work that keeps our nation moving, and our employees deserve our gratitude for moving America's freight and doing so safely every day, said AAR President and CEO Ian Jeffries. Without a doubt, there is more to be done to further address our employees' work-life balance concerns, but it is clear that this agreement maintains rail's place among the best jobs in our nation. Weaver the railroad carpenter disagrees. He expects to see a wave of departure once the back pay and bonuses are paid out. Yeah, because after that, people are going to leave. Why take that abuse? In Toledo, where I live, there's refinery jobs, there's trucking jobs, there's many other crafts out there that pay better and where they get respect from their employer, he says. That's the problem. Working conditions, attendance policies, lack of respect, militant discipline. We're really suffering. Still, when asked if he considered leaving his career of 28 years, Weaver probably probably sa says probably not. I'm pretty much an old fart, he says. <laughs> Gosh, man. Man, these people, they keep our country running. The food in your grocery stores come from the railroads. The parts for your from, you know, for your auto shops, if you have a business in auto mechanics, they come from the railroads. Railroads are the lifeblood of this country. All right? That's what they are. And Biden is crapping on these workers. If these workers leave in droves, people are in trouble. 
grocery stores, businesses, services in trouble. Period. And it's sad, man. It's really, it's terrible. That's why people have to start stocking up because you don't know when you're going to go to that grocery store where you live. Some have already experienced it, okay? You don't know, okay, when you go to that grocery store and the cupboards are bare. Where I live, I haven't experienced that yet, okay? I'm in a blue state. Haven't experienced that yet. All right. So let's talk about bricks. <clears throat> let's talk about what they're, uh, what's new with them. The Global South births a new game-changing payment system. Challenging the Western monetary system, the Eurasia Economic Union is leading the Global South toward a new common payment system to bypass the U.S. dollar. The Eurasia Economic Union, okay, is speeding up its design of a common payment system, which has been closely discussed for nearly a year with the Chinese under the stewardship of Sergei Glazev, okay, Minister EAEU's minister in charge of the integration and macroeconomy. Through its regulatory body, the Eurasian Economic Commission, the EEC, and the EAEU has just extended a very serious proposal to BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, which crucially are already on the way to turning into BRICS plus, a sort of G20 of the global south. The system will include a single payment card in direct competition with the Visa and MasterCard, merging with the already existing Russian MIR, China's UnionPay, India's RuPay, Brazil's ELO, and others. That will represent a direct challenge to the Western design and enforced monetary system head on. And it comes on the heels of BRICS members already transacting their bilateral trade and local currency and bypassing the U.S. dollar. Uh oh, this EAEU BRICS union was long in the making and will now also move toward prefiguring a further geoeconomic merger with the member nations of Shanghai Corporation Organization, the SCO. The EAEU was established in 2015 as a, as a customs union of Russia, Kazakhstan, and Belarus. Joined a year later by Armenia and Kazakhstan, Vietnam was already a EAEU free trader partner and recently enshrined S, um, SCO member Iran is also clinching a deal. The EAEU is designed to implement free movement of goods, services, capital, and workers between members, member countries. Ukraine would have been an EAEU member if not for the Miden coup in 2014, masterminded by the Barack Obama administration. Mm. Barack is Obama's really Obama. The more you find out about Obama, he's not Obama. He's Obama. Vladimir Kolakov, advisor to the chairman of the EEC, summed it all up to Russian newspaper, the Ivitsta. The focus is to establish a joint financial market, and the, pri the priority is to develop a common exchange space. We've made substantial progress, and now the work is focused on such sectors as banking, insurance, and stock market. 
A new regulatory body for the proposed joint EEU and BRICS financial system will soon be established. Meanwhile, trade and economic cooperation between the EA and EU and BRICS have increased 1.5 times in the first half of 2022. The big share in the total external trade turnover of the EAEU has reached 30%, Kolokov revealed at the BRICS International Business Forum this past Monday in Moscow. It is available to combine potentials of BRICS and EAEU macrofinancial development institutions, in particular, the BRICS New Development Bank, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, AIIB, as well as the national development um, institutions. This will make it possible to achieve a synergistic effect and ensure synchronous investments in a sustainable infrastructure, innovative and innovative production and renewable energy sources. Here we once again see the advancing convergence of not only BRICS and EAEU, but also the financial institutions deeply involved in projects under the China-led New Silk Roads or Belt and Road Initiative, the BRE. Halting at the age of plunder, as if all that was not game-changing enough, Russian President Vladimir Putin is raising the stakes by calling for a new international payment system based on blockchain and digital currencies. The project for such a system was recently presented at the first Eurasian Economic Forum in Bishlek. At the forum, EAEU approved a draft agreement on cross-border placement and circulation of securities in member states, an amendment technical amended technical regulations. The next big step is to organize the agenda of a crucial meeting of the Supreme Eurasian Economic Council on 14th on 14th of December in Moscow. Putin will be there in person and there's nothing he would love more than to make a game-changing announcement. All of these moves acquire even more importance as they connect to fast increasing interlocking trade between Russia, China, India, and Iran from Russia's drive to build new pipelines serving its Chinese market to Russia, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan, discussing a gas union for both domestic supplies and exports, especially to the main client, China. Slowly but surely, what is emerging is the big picture of an irretrievable fractured world featuring a dual trade circulation system. One will be revolving around the remnants of the dollar system. The other is being built centered on the association of BRICS, EAEU, and SCO. Pushing further on down the road, the recent pathetic metaphor coined by towardly aerocrat boss, the jungle is breaking away from the garden with a vengeance. May the fracture persist as a new international payment system and a new currency will aim to halt for good the Western economic age, Western centric age of plunder. Some people don't like this, but the reality is, you know, the United States government has caused so much harm and destruction for years and oppressed other nations. So this was bound to happen. It may affect our economy here. Okay, but we can't blame Russia. We can't blame Putin. We can't blame China. We have to blame the American government and their wars. Okay, that was not fought justly. Okay. These wars were fought to destroy other nations, okay? All right? Destroy our other nations at their expense. 
that's what happened. Instead of making deals with these other nations, all right, to see how both sides could win, they decided to go loot, plunder, and destroy. All right. And here we are. Anytime a government tried to have their own currency, try to put their own people on the map, you know, like Gaddafi, they were taken out or they dared to stand up to uh, the American government and many other Western powers. They were taken out. So you got to ask yourself, who's the villain here? Who's really the villain? United States or the East? Okay. On to the next story. Okay. Apple turned off protest communication tool right before anti-lockdown uprising in China. All right. As it's as it moves kicking Elon's must Twitter off the maps of the App Store, it has now been revealed that Apple restricted the use of AirDrop in China, a move that harmed organization efforts to of demonstrators protesting against CCP's lockdowns. Wow. Insane, man. Insane. Over the past week, multiple major cities across China have seen massive protests against lockdowns with the normally compliant Chinese exploding into rage in response to their government's zero um, zero covid policy. Much of the unrest blew up in the blew up in response to the incident in Xiping's capital, Irimkui where at least 10 people, some say up to 40, were killed during the apartment fire because lockdown rules stopped residents from fleeing the burning building. Most of the city's residents have been prevented from leaving their homes for over 100 days as a result of the draconian rules, which are still in place nearly three years after the pandemic began, with Beijing now trying to contain what some are calling the most serious mass uprising since Tiananmen Square. Apple is apparently helping them to crush the dissent. Earlier this month, Apple restricted the use of AirDrop in China, which protesters have been using to evade censorship. AirDrop allows local connections between devices, meaning it cannot be monitored or censored by local authorities. However, Apple launched an update. Okay. Whereas right here, where was I? All right. Launched an update to the app in China that restricted the usage in just 10 minutes, making it harder for protesters to communicate with other activists as well as send messages nearby. Um, nearby bystanders and tourists. Airdrop was also used by protesters in Hong Kong who were brutally suppressed by the CCP during months of unrest in 2019. The smartphone company chose to roll out the new feature in China only, hold on one second, <clears throat> only right after, right as the country experienced its biggest demonstrations in decades, which some would suggest is more than just co a coincidence. Apple has helped Beijing to suppress public dissent multiple times mostly by complying with its request to remove apps used by protesters for information and communication. <coughs> Reports reclaim the net. Apple also helps the Chinese Communist Party prevent users from remaining private by banning VPNs in the region. The development coincides with Elon Musk revealing that Apple threatening to remove Twitter from the app store entirely over its support for, God forbid, free speech. Okay. Okay. Fair use. Fair use. Absolute bedlam in China where anti lockdown protests are sweeping the country. 
up to 40 people burned to death in an apartment fire. Yeah, I'm not going to play anymore. Um, I don't want to get any problems with my channel. Um, don't need that problems right now. Ray said it. I already said everything that he's about to say. So, but yeah, I mean, Apple is helping with the CCP, you know, Chinese Communist Party, and these people are something. So you already know how Apple is, uh, how Apple gets down. Okay. And uh, if you have any relatives in China, I mean, my, my heart goes out to you. Um, maybe you could start like, you know, boycotting Apple. That'll be something, you know. Just stop buying Apple products. Okay, you want to do these? You want to do these people in China dirty? Cool. We're gonna stop buying your products. That's the only way I see of dealing with this Apple situation. That's the best way to do it. That's how I see. Okay, now we're gonna talk about uh, the Balenciaga saga. Let's talk about that. All right, here we are. All right. Okay. One second. Okay, here we are. Five, a protest at the Balenciaga store in Beverly Hills over the luxury fashion brand's ad campaign that shows kids holding teddy bears dressed in leather bondage gear. Gina Silva joining us live in Beverly Hills with what's going on right now. Gina. Christine Marla, we're on Rodeo Drive, right in front of Balenciaga. And these protesters, this is a protest that started at 3 in the afternoon. Many of the people have already left, but this small group is still here. At issue are two very bizarre, disturbing ad campaigns that leave many people wondering what was Balenciaga thinking when they came up with those ideas. A loud and clear message outside of Balenciaga's store in Beverly Hills. Anyone that buys and wears Balenciaga, they're promoting child porn and pedophilia. Um, to me, I think that they're just testing the waters how far they could go. And then they'll just, you know, backtrack and, you know, put out a public apology. And then they'll go underground. And then they'll see if they could test the waters again, you know, regroup do it again and then it will unfortunately it will be acceptable this is how these sick people work oh yeah food for thought that is how they they got this far if you look with the uh you know the alphabet mafia first you you know you let them have marriage then after that you let them be able to adopt kids then after that you let them to start playing around with protests and pronouns and look who look where we are now 
These are the images that have upset so many people. Young children holding teddy bears dressed in bondage costumes. I don't think uh, teddy bears should be in bondage at all, ever, especially with children holding them. I thought it was absolutely disgusting. I mean, you can clearly see that they're using these innocent children as sexualization. Balenciaga issued a long statement on Instagram that says in part, we strongly condemn child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative. The two separate ad campaigns in question. That's a lie because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pictures online with Balencia that I'm not even going to show because it's, it's that wretched. It's that disgusting. I almost threw up. Um, they know exactly what they're doing. Like I said, they're testing the waters. Okay. They're just going to regroup. Like, look what happened. They just put out a statement. Look what happened. They put out a statement. They're going to go underground and they're going to find, they're probably going to come up maybe a couple of years later, or there's going to be another designer company that's going to do this, do something, the exact same thing. Well, what did I tell you? Like clockwork. Question reflect a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. And, you know, we talk about two different campaigns. It wasn't just the teddy bears in bondage. There was also a different Balenciaga campaign that had documents of a Supreme Court ruling on child pornography. So both campaigns, everyone on the Internet seems to agree. Very bizarre. And this group in particular says it is the exploitation of children and anyone who buys from Balenciaga. Siaga is agreeing with that. We're going to have a lot more on this story tonight at 6 and at 10. I'll send it back to you guys in the studio. Oh, really the same, man. These days are evil. These days are extremely evil. And uh, But on a side note, we have somebody, let's just say this woman makes her husband very happy what she did. All right. People will be saying, ah, it's probably publicity. I say this. Even if it was publicity, this is the attitude you should have, especially if you're a parent. Once you find out what what a particular brand is doing, okay, and they're basically putting out sick crap for kids, this should be your stance. This should be, should be your action immediately. Jason Aldrin's wife, Brittany, tosses bags of Balencia amid scandal. Trash day. All right. Brittany Alden might be feeling fussy, but she's definitely not walking in her Balenciaga ussies. Jason Allen's wife appears to have tossed all her Balenciaga clothing and accessories amid the brand scandal, brand's ad scandal, which stemmed from a campaign showing children holding a teddy bear-inspired bags dressed in bondage gear. On Wednesday, Brittany, 33, posted an Instagram photo of herself hauling two Large garbage bags filled with Balenciaga clothes, shoes, and handbags to the curb. It's trash day, she captioned on the snap, tagging Balenciaga. The bags appear to contain thousands of dollars worth of items, including logos, slides, slides, and two of the label's famous hourglass bags. Husband Jason encouraged her commenting, show them how to walk the walk, babe, and dropping a series of applauses and emos. Although comments 
were limited, her fans seemed to approve of the closet cleanout. Same, Florida, Georgia, Florida, Georgia line singer Brian Kelly's wife, Brittany, agreed. One fan said they were similarly writing, ridding the word, their wardrobe of all things Balenciaga, writing, burning all mine to the ground. If enough people give it to the homeless, it will cheapen the brand. A third person responded to Brittany, who describes herself as unapologetically conservative on social media. This is just another reason why I respect you. Another comment, commenter praised tagging Kim Kardashian, who posed for several Balencia campaigns and frequently wears the house designs and asking, what about you? Interesting. Don't sell to the homeless. Burn it. All right. You don't sell that crap to the homeless. Just, uh, just burn it. Kardashian did issue a statement on Twitter Sunday night, writing, "I've been quiet for I've been quiet for a few past days, not because I haven't been disgusted and outraged by the recent Valencia campaigns, but because I wanted the opportunity to speak to their team to understand for myself how this could have happened. Why would you want to speak to their team? Why speak to their team? Cut off all ties." Commenters on Twitter hoped Alden planned to donate for Balenciaga bags belongings instead of trashing them. Why would you want if Brittany if Brittany Alden truly wants to throw out her likely perfect condition Balenciaga items? I hope she's at least donating them to an organization that serves the community she's peacocking for to be put to good use. One user wrote, "Why would you want that? Makes no sense. Why would you want to wear? Why would you want to give away a brand?" That's promoting pedophilia. In September, Britney was involved in her own scandal when she made transphobic comments on social media. The mom of two said in the video, I really like to thank parents for not changing my gender when I went through my tomboy phase. I love this girly life. Country superstar Maine Morris responded, tweeting, it's so easy to like not to be a scumbag human. Sell your clip-ins and zip it. Insurrection Barbie. Ah... <sighs> Um, people you see that's the thing this is the matrix I truly believe that we live in a matrix a really evil satanic matrix you speak the truth and you're going to have the agent smiths come after you and that's what happened she had an agent smith come after her because she spoke the truth and she's not down with the dysfunction that's harming people okay that's really, that's really what's going on here. All right. All right. So let's talk about something that's I think is kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, how you say street justice. I just say street justice or God's divine justice. That's how I see it. Let's get into this story right here. minute one second here we go
We start with breaking news right now at 11. We have new information about that Naples doctor. He was found dead after he was accused of raping at least three patients. Thanks for counting on NBC2. I'm Kyla Gaylor. And I'm Peter Bush. Collier County deputies found Dr. Eric Salata dead yesterday. NBC2's Hope Salmon is live in our studio with the new details about where they found him and how he died. A Collier County deputy was called to check on Dr. Eric Salata after someone noticed his ankle monitor didn't move for eight hours. That's when the deputy found his body. Hi, you have reached the former number of Pura Vida Medical Spa. This is what you'll hear if you call Pura Vida Medical Spa on Fifth Avenue in Naples. We are closed indefinitely at this time. 54-year-old Dr. Eric Salata owned it with his wife. Earlier this month, he was arrested and charged for raping patients at his med spa. Two women said he gave them laughing gas, Xanax, and alcohol, then forcibly had sex with them while they were blacked out. After his arrest, a third woman came forward with similar accusations. That sends a shockwave everywhere through the community, uh, especially when you're talking about allegations such as this with a with the certified doctor, you know, physician. Less than a week after Dr. Salata bonded out of jail, a Collier County deputy found him dead in a ditch near his home in Naples. He had a gunshot wound to his head and a handgun resting next to his leg. An incident report shows he left two notes, his wedding ring and credit cards at home. Dr. Salata's death has not been ruled a suicide because the autopsy hasn't been completed. But the Collier County Sheriff's Office says his death is not suspicious. During Salata's first court appearance, the prosecution asked for a risk protection order. That would have forced Dr. Salata to hand over any weapons, but the judge ruled against it. Live in studio, hopes. Hey, <clears throat> we, hey man, um, it could be a suicide, could be a, uh, could be a murder. They haven't, I'm, look, I don't feel sorry for this dude. I don't, I don't feel sorry for him. Okay. Because the same thing happened to this, uh, uh, I forgot the name of this uh, uh, famous black gymnast, and she was subject to that type of abuse as well as, as, well as other gymnasts. Um, I feel bad for her, and I don't feel bad. For, I don't feel bad for this dude. I don't. I don't feel bad for him at all. Sorry, I don't. On to the next story. Right. I'll talk about this. I've, I remember I talked about this story a few years ago. Hope it. I hope it's everything still keeps uh, going the way it's going with this story. Let's get into that. All right. The junior case was stalled more than two years by the COVID-19 pandemic, but prosecutors have won murder convictions against seven men so far. They were willing to negotiate with the last six. Okay, so let me talk about this. Um, many of you probably don't know about the Justice for Junior um, case, but I'm going to talk about it. Okay, so what happened here was the fact that, uh, you know, this, there was a girl, right? All right, young girl, and um, both her and Junior were um, 
how how do you say it? they were like uh, I forgot the hell what they call for NYPD. It's like when you were a young cadet. It's not you're not like in the cop force, but it's it's kind of on the way to it. I forgot the name of it. Anyway, fact of the matter: this girl, right? Her boyfriend was a gang member. Okay, now this girl had a brother that was also a gang member. All right. Both her brother and her boyfriend are part of rival gangs, right? So what happened was, is the girl was recorded by her boyfriend having sex. Okay, I think like a, 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 a what was a threesome, right? And that went that that went uh that went on the internet. Her brother found out who was a gangbanger, and they decided. And what happened was the brother pressed his the, the girl. All right, what the heck's going on? And since her boyfriend looked like Junior, she decided to frame Junior for it, and that was the setup. And that's why Junior's dead. Hence, here we are. Okay. Sad. Are you pleading guilty voluntarily because you are guilty of this crime? Yes. Danilo Payamp in jail more than four years now. Hesitate. Let me clear that. Let me. Um, I'm going to say it clearly. I hope nobody misconstrued my words. Basically, Junior, um, she set up Junior to die. Okay. The brother wanted to know who who was the dude that she was sleeping with, and she said it was Junior, since Junior and her boyfriend look alike. That's how it happened. That's how it went down. Hated slightly when he pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the 2018 gang stabbing of Lissandro Junior Guzman Felice, who was just 15 years old. Judge Ralph Fabrizio also asking him. Did you, acting in concert with the other individuals, cause the death? of Lissandro Guzman Feliz Jr. by stabbing and slashing him about his neck and body. Yes. Payamp never stabbed Jr., but he's seen here getting out of one of the four cars that chased the terrified teen, later pacing by a getaway vehicle while the 22nd attack took place. Payamp took the plea deal offered by the Bronx District Attorney's Office, admitting the gang intended to cause serious physical injury to Junior. Payamp accepting 12 years in prison instead of risking 25 to life if he was convicted of murder at the next trial. The five stabbers and two gang leaders have already received substantial sentences for murder convictions. Two weeks ago, Jose Tavares, the first person in the bodega who spotted Junior and then flagged the others, agreed to plead guilty to manslaughter and a gun charge in return for a 15-year sentence. Junior's mother told PIX11 in late October she wasn't happy with plea deals. For me, it's not make difference if you was in the car driving or if you were chasing them, they killed Junior. One reputed gang member who rejected a plea offer is Danelle Fernandez identified on surveillance cameras wearing a green do-rag as he allegedly pulled a desperate junior from behind the bodega counter where the teen was hiding under a sink. Fernandez refused to plead guilty to manslaughter for an 18-year sentence. 
The second gang member who pulled Junior out, Kevin Alvarez, had pleaded guilty in 2019 before the first trial and became a star witness. When the trials are over, he's supposed to get released with time served. The Bronx DA's office had really been hoping to avoid a third murder trial, but prosecutors are now moving forward with the case against. This is why you got to. This kid had everything going for him. He got set up by this girl. Junior, they were all friends too. They were all friends. And you. Wow. Wow, man. Wow. It's sad. It's really sad, but I'm glad that, you know, his family's getting justice. Very sad. It's it's a sad situation, man. It really is. All right. Time to talk about LeBron James and... What he got to say about uh, this uh, Jeffrey Jones situation. I got some things to say about this uh, LeBron character, about this situation. Fair use, by the way. Fair use. Okay, and here we go. I got one question for you guys before you guys leave. I was thinking when I was on my way over here, I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones fight. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, my thing is this. How are you talking about this? You didn't stand up for Kyrie. You didn't stand up for Kyrie. The only reason why you're talking about Jerry Jones is because you don't play football, LeBron. If Jerry Jones played basketball, you would be you would keep your mouth shut like a very good corporate slave. That is the truth. You would keep your mouth shut. You let Kyrie get lynched. You didn't say anything. You didn't stand up for him. So how are you trying to play your um your rough and tough now? A lot of these NBA players, these athletes can be cowards sometimes. Okay, they're being cowards. How are you going to do that? I'm telling you now, if Jerry Jones played, was uh, owned a basketball team, mouth would be closed. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things we've been through. You weren't there for Kyrie Irving. How are you trying to be Mr. Civil Rights leader now? This is why Malcolm X said it clearly. Entertainers are not civil rights leaders. He said it. He said it. Yo, name another ethnic group, another ethnic community where they have entertainers being there speaking for them as leaders. He can't speak for this. He can't. He just, he looks very, he looks like a clown here. Let's keep going. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. 
and I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's actually about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes, I get it. But it seems like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened, okay, we just, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. Uh, how are you want to speak, LeBron? Your mouth was shut when Kyrie Irving's career was set on fire. You didn't say anything when they were hammering him, suspending him, giving a list of all these demands that he had to make. You didn't call out the CEO of Amazon for putting Hebrews to Negroes on the website. You didn't call him out. But now you want to play, you know, civil rights leader. Doesn't make any sense. Some black people think the black community doesn't need leaders. I'm sorry, you do. But you need credible leaders like King Randall. Okay. Leaders that they're not attached to entertainment. Leaders that will tell you the truth and what needs to happen. And you got to be willing to follow. I mean, not going to force you, but if you, you know, you have to look for somebody serious. Okay. And sad to say, in the black community, the African mainstream media puts out entertainers, actors. They won't put out doctors, lawyers, judges, judges that are for that make decisions for the benefit of the black community. They won't put that out. They'll put out LeBron James, a Curie Irving, a football player, an actor, an actress, or an alphabet. But they won't put out, you know, a Thomas Sowell. Okay. And this is what white media will put out. And blacks won't reject it. They won't reject an athlete being someone to speak on serious issues. And that's what social engineering is a real thing. It's real. People don't want to, blacks don't want to address that. And the blacks who do were looked upon as coons and sellouts because we like being, they like being entertained. Uh, we, because I don't, you know, when it comes to serious things, I don't want a Charles Barkley speaking for me. I don't want a six foot man that was in a dress for Weight Watchers commercial speaking for me. I don't want LeBron James who wore a wig a lady's wig speaking for me. I don't want Shaquille O'Neal 
who dresses up in drag speaking for me as a black man. I don't want that. I want a black man that's actually serious about the plight that African Americans are facing in this country. Someone who has never worn a dress and is not into the entertainment industry. That's who I would want. All right, that's all I got for now. Appreciate for you guys listening on this live stream. Anything you want to know about this channel, it's in the description box. Later.